Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Hopefully, you know, this is a time when, uh, you know, with Lucas coming up and reading this passage, we try to do that every week. We try to get a little bit of a glimpse into what are we going to be digging into. We're going to talk about more scriptures in this, but we want to have kind of like a key text that we're working out of. And we like to have just a little bit of time to where you can put your own eyes on it. Like you can look at it and start picking up like, hey, are there little things that are just just in this reading? And just as I pray, and, and I think it's a healthy thing to be praying that God help us like draw out what you want us to draw out of this you know what we don't want to do is make this say something that we want it to say we we want to we want to conform ourselves to the word of god and so that's the purpose of why we go ahead and do that Um, i appreciate uh royce coming up here i've i feel like the past week or so you know you hear something over and over and over again and one of the things i keep hearing is enough that's been something that's been coming and i've been hearing from other people is is god is enough Jesus is enough. Roy El Shaddai, God's more than enough. Boy, what a great reminder how often that's even come into my mind this week of thinking. And even as we fast, what's been really fascinating, I'm not sure how your fast is going. Uh, we'll talk a little bit this Thursday. We have congregational midweek this Thursday. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So show up prepared to talk about how that's going. But one of the things that's been going through my mind often it, when I'm really, really hungry Okay, and and just again, if you're showing up here for the first time and you're thinking, what is a 21 day fast? We aren't not eating for 21 days. Okay, we have eaten. Right. Uh, But there is there's there's a number of different facets to this. And you can actually like see all about it on the website. But just you can talk to somebody uh, if you want some more information about that. But we're in our last week. And when I've been getting really hungry. The thought that's been coming into my mind, and I really appreciate it because I think the Holy Spirit is really like injecting this into me, is that the material can never fulfill like the spiritual, ever. Like even when I go and break my fast, when I'm like thinking, gosh, I want to eat so bad. I want, I'm so hungry. I'm so, and I, even when I think of, even when I break the fast and I think I'm fulfilled, that fulfillment can never even come close to the fulfillment of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And so even when we have that of remembering, like, hold on a minute, you want to know what? What's spiritual is more important than what's material. And that's really like we're getting yanked out of that, I think, a little bit during the 21 day fast is is forcing us to look into that. So hopefully it's been going great. If it's just been a total washout for you, if you're going, man, I've just completely messed up. I've not stuck with it. All these things. Listen, take heart. You can take the next week to really jump in there. This isn't a competition. We're not trying to see who was the hungriest over the past three weeks. We're not seeing who did the greatest thing or something like that. Uh, But this really is an experience. Um, It's funny because there's like this little microcosm of discipleship, I think, that we learn from this, uh, which is, you know, to experience something is different than just to understand the theory of something. 
And oftentimes in Christianity, we want to know the theory of it, and we forget. We don't realize, well, why isn't Christianity more, more exciting? Why isn't it more like all-encompassing? Well, if we don't experience it, it's going to be really boring because theories are boring. They just are. And so it's one of those things is when you get in there and you start really experiencing something, you go, wow, this is really like, this is taking me places. So anyway, there's a whole lot to that. I hope it's going great. Our last week, it's gone really fast. It's been a really fast 14 days. I'll tell you, it's really, really incredible. Um, so we're still talking about this journey that, that uh, what I love about what we're talking about is everyone's on a journey. There's no one here. There's no one listening or watching on Facebook. There's no one anywhere that you can go, I'm not on a journey. You're on a journey. All right. Now, here's the crazy thing is, is, is whether you're on a journey to become a Christian or you are a disciple or something like that. Listen, God has known you before you ever existed. Okay, like when we were put on this earth, the journey began. And believe me, God has been working around us every day of every like every moment of every day of our life. God is like, hey, listen, let me let me bring you to me. Let me put people in your life. Let me. He hasn't abandoned us, but we've been on this journey and you've got to know, like, where are you in your journey? You know, are you a disciple and you've been on this journey for a while and it's getting maybe old and stale? Are you a brand new Christian and you're like, man, this is really great, but I feel like I have to learn so much more. Are you somebody that and maybe you even kind of had this thought in your mind is, well, I don't know if I'm a disciple. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I'm learning a lot of things, but I don't, I don't know. OK, is what that, that can be uncomfortable. That can be a little bit scary is just kind of lean into that. All right. Because that's a good thing. Don't be embarrassed if you feel like I should have known so much more by now. No. Right. That's, that's the great thing about our journeys. They're not going to be exactly the same. And we're going to be having people. Some of us became Christians in our 20s, some in our teens, some in our 30s, some in our 50s. All right. So there's God isn't giving up on us, but I love this idea of journey because we want a journey not just to become a disciple, stay stagnant, but to mature. Um, another word we've used is this idea of spiritually formed or being formed into the likeness of Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of everyone that he lives in. The Holy Spirit has not stopped doing that, of forming us into the likeness of Jesus and not just his behavior, but how he thinks and how he loves and how he views people and how he makes decisions. Like these are all areas where the spirit is like, he's not just wanting us to act a certain way. He's actually changing how we think and feel and believe about things. Right. And so that's a really, that's, that's awesome. Okay. And so we're going to continue on with this right here. Okay. So I should probably turn this on. I think I did. Okay. Okay, there's the word. There's the word. All right. Let, let's let's talk about this for a second because uh, we will. We're going to dive headfirst in this. Uh, okay, so if I could put up like this thing like you know, before movies sometimes they put up warnings and all that kind of things. Okay? Um, here's what I'm going to challenge us on, okay? Is we we see this word and what oftentimes church devolves into is, oh, so is he going to talk about wives submitting to their husbands and, and all these kind of things? And we have such, like, passionate views on this word. And I've rarely met somebody that's actually studied out the concept of submission in the Bible. All right. If you're a disciple, that's not okay. 
right? I, I spend time with people often who have incredible, passionate belief about something, whether it's discipleship when it comes to just Christianity, discipleship, baptism, lordship, the kingdom. I'll sit down and I'll say, and, and they'll be so passionate. I'll say, well, tell me how you studied that out. Like, what did that look like as you learned it? And there's just crickets. Well, I don't know. All right. That cannot be okay if we're disciples. Like, be, let me just be very clear on that. Because what ends up happening is we just become a group of people that are like, well, let's argue about words. And I'm going, you want to know this word right here? We can't be formed into Christ unless we understand this three-dimensional view of what this concept is. And if the, my only idea of what this word means is in the context of marriage, we are like, we are so painfully behind. Because the Bible is totally full of this. Really is. This is a beautiful thing. The freedom of submission is real. There is freedom in submission. All right. Now, again, all kinds of things You're going, well, hey, but you know what? I mean, that's how culture formed and that's how people manipulate people. And that's how you get codependency and all these things. What we're not talking about is an unhealthy use of something. OK, that's th those are the first things that we should lay out front is we're not talking about any kind of destructive, emotional, uh, you know, uh, whatever. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what did our king teach and model about this idea of submission, okay? This is a simple definition. This is a simple definition of the Greek word. This is a simple definition of what we're talking about is when, when I place myself under, all right, or when I yield to another, when I yield to another, okay? Richard Foster, great quote, submission is the spiritual discipline that frees us from the everlasting burden of always needing to get our own way. Right? Like stop and think about that for a second. It frees us from the burden of needing to get our own way. Okay. Let's put it in the opposite way. These are things that we hear in our world that's the opposite of the heart of submission. Okay? You're not the boss of me. Those are, that's kids, right? I mean, as adults, we stop saying those exact words. You say, you're not, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, we hold these things strongly. Do not tell me what to do. I'm free to do what I want, when I want, how I want. Alright? And, and hopefully we, we, we are understanding as we're seeing this of going, this is deeply ingrained in all of us. You, you won't tell me what to do. No one will. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to do it when I want and how I want. No one tells me. No one, no one can tell me anything. You can't tell me how to spend my time. You can't tell me how to date. Right? You can't tell me how to or who to marry. You can't tell me. You won't tell me that. Like we are really independent. Like there's no way I'm making my own decisions. I'm the I'm the master of this of this life right here. I'm not gonna have anybody doing this to tell me how I use my money. 
But here's the interesting thing is, man, I feel like my life has been kind of a lab practical of learning the pitfalls of not being submissive, of being headstrong, of doing it my own way. Right. Is I learned a lot of different things because all of those statements up there are statements that I not only said, but I believe deeply in. I'm not going to let anybody like I was my guy making my decisions and you're going to tell me how to do that. Right. I was the boss of me for a long time. I was I made all of my decisions. You know what's crazy? I don't know how your life was. My life was going OK. Right. I was doing it my way. It was really not horrible, right? I was successful. I did pretty well in school. I got the jobs I wanted to get. They were pretty high profile. I mean, I was kind of doing the thing that I wanted to do. I was really, you want to go on an adventure? I was doing that. Like sometimes we set out on, on our life we're like, man, I got to have that adventure. I'm like, that, that was what was happening in my life. Like I was going to those places. You know, I was a pretty good guy. Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to hate you, but here's the thing, is I was empty. I was empty. And, and I wasn't, from a worldly perspective, I wasn't, I don't think, lacking anything. I wasn't in need of more money. I wasn't in need. I was really the poster child for the guy that you go, you have nothing to complain about, man. I mean, you, you should be satisfied. You should be. That, that's, that's how your life should be. You have everything you want. In fact, it was one of the things, quite honestly, and I would love for you to think through this because I, I do want my life to matter in a way that people cannot have to go through what I went through. And you may be on that same path where you're going, man, okay, but I do go to church. I was kind of like that, you know? I mean, I go to church on Sunday. You know, I, went, I, I grew up kind of in a church where when you really messed up bad, you had to go to confession yeah, go meet with the priest, and then you told him your sins, and then you felt fine to go do it again. All right? And I'm not painting that picture for everybody that did that. I can, I'm, that's me. That was everyone. Let me put it this way. That was all my friends. All right? Everybody I went to church with, I'm like, oh, man, I really messed up. And, and, and I learned an interesting thing about myself is, um, you know, I heard somebody say one time, you know, you can't, you can't sow your wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. <laughs> and that's what I was doing right? is, is I wanted to go and do everything I wanted and then go, but please God, and just beg him and go to confess. Don't let these bad things happen. You know, whatever that is. Okay. And so I want you to kind of examine that as well. I want you to be able to have these conversations because I kind of just sat around knowing and I was getting kind of emptier and emptier and the decisions I was making of people who I was dating and, and, ways I was being involved with people and the way I was just like living my life uh, was becoming more and more empty and I was making more and more decisions that were making it feel emptier. Right? Now, let me keep in mind, I was the boss of me. That, that was me as CEO. That, that was me making all of those decisions. Right? And so on the one hand, you have what I think lots of people are going for. And we live in a college town, and that's kind of like the prize is like you go for all these things. Then on the other hand, I'm going, I'm absolutely miserable. Right? I'm settling for everything. The people who are with me are settling. I'm not a good friend. I'm not, you know. And it's this idea of just kind of marinating in my own emptiness, right? And it was really interesting because I thought I did know Jesus. 
I thought I did. I knew this guy. Like, I had a picture of him in my home, right? Uh, my, my family was pretty, I don't know. I didn't know they had cameras back then. Okay, I'm like, where's this picture come from? I didn't know Jesus was from Indiana either, you know? <laughs> That's where Luke is from. So I'm like, man, who knew, right? But I'm like, then I met Jesus, and for real, and, and you know, started just digging into the Bible. And it was really, really fascinating because I learned that Jesus wasn't this guy who was just there to like make the crop fail and he wasn't there to make me just hey live however you want and then I'm going to yank you to heaven and he wasn't there to just give me a guilt trip and all these different things that I, I began to learn that this Jesus is a king and that's hard to understand in our world and it's hard to understand in a democracy and in a freedom because we're like you're not going to tell me what to do and then I, when I was going hold on a minute if he's a king right if, if this Jesus who I, I, I thought I knew right if he's a king then he's got a kingdom, right? And in a kingdom, there's a way of a kingdom. All right? There's a, the rule and the reign of the king. There is a way. When we're in a kingdom, there's a way things are done in the kingdom. And I never knew that. I never knew that. I didn't know. You mean in the kingdom of God, there's a way of, of a sexual ethic? Like there is a way. You mean in the, in the kingdom of God, there is a way that people are supposed to have relationships with one another. Like there's a kingdom way that I didn't know about. I wasn't even aware of. I just was like, no, you just kind of go to church and you try to be around good people. And you try to be better than other people. But there's a kingdom. This was mind blowing for me is to go, hold on a minute. There's a kingdom. But here's the thing is, is, is Jesus isn't afraid to teach this this taboo word of submission. It doesn't seem like he ever, and, and it's really crazy, but I want us to look because as I was learning, I was like, hold on a minute. Maybe he knows something. And the more I learned about Jesus, I was like, you know what? Maybe he knows something. Maybe he knows something I don't know. Because again, I still was having a hard time like rectifying this idea that I had made the decisions as CEO and boss of my life to wreck it. I had made those decisions. I was the guy making the final call. I was the guy hurting people. I was the guy with the bad ad. I was making those decisions, okay? And then here's this Jesus, and I'm looking, I'm going, hold on a minute. He's teaching this, this idea, right? See, in, in Matthew 16, Royce brought this up. We, we, it's very easy to read through this and go, hold on a minute. He didn't talk about submission. But he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. So did, did you know that? Like if you're a follower of Jesus, did you know that, oh, I, I was, I'm supposed to like deny myself. And, and I love right after that because I think, it, I think it sums up so much. And many of us have, have had this experience. He said, if you want to lose, if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. What I was learning is I was finding my life. I was finding my life. Where I thought the opposite was the case. Like, no, when I'm in charge, I'll find my life. I'll figure out who I am. I'll figure out about those things when I'm in charge because I can decide where to go and like all of these great things. And then I realized that there's a re Jesus is telling me to like, Keith, the way you do things, you need to say no to that. Okay. And say yes to this kingdom way because you'll find who you are. You'll find life. 
And this is the thing. Okay, so let's stop for just a quick second because I want to just plant a seed for you to think about is, would you say you have life? Okay, because there's very big difference between a dead thing and a live thing. Right? But would you, would you go, no, I get it. In the kingdom, I have I've found that life. Right? Because oftentimes we go, no, you don't have to do that, though. You can just be saved. See, that's what I thought. And then I'm learning about this king, and he's going, hold on a minute. No, you deny yourself. You lose your life, because here's the whole thing. You'll find your life in me. Okay? In Matthew 6, when he, remember, last week, we were right there. As he was teaching his people to pray, he said, here's what I want you to pray. Your will be done. Okay, that right there is code for submission, is yield. Yield your will to his will. Okay, the the will of Keith and and all that means is the wants of Keith, the desires of Keith, the direction and the leadership of Keith. and, And yield... And go, no, 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 what I want is, God, what you want. And that's your kingdom here. That's what I want, and I want to want, I want, to want that more. Okay? And so he's not ashamed. He's not scared. Jesus isn't doing like this bait and switch of going, hey, it's really going to be great. I'm going to give you all kinds of good things when you follow me, and then, like, throw it on you later. He's just right up front. Okay? Matthew 7, verse 21. You can look there when you have a chance. He said that... Only those who do the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of God. All right? Only those who... That means in order for that to happen, I must yield to me. I must yield to me. And and one of the difficulties that I started learning about myself was that I had trained myself to be the boss for so long, I didn't even realize when I was making those decisions. I just thought if I made a decision and I tried to do good, it must be the right thing. Without going, hold on a minute, what's the kingdom way? What's the kingdom way? When, I was, when, I, when me and Abby were dating, I had to what's the kingdom way? You want to know what? I had a season of time where I was like, we did not date the kingdom way. And you know what's funny? When you realize like, hey, I've, I've yielded to Jesus and everything's great, and I'm feeling, and then I take control back. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's pain. It's, it's some of the deepest pain I've ever felt. It really has, and it reminded me of this is why when you met Jesus, you knew, like, dude, you're at Keith, you're a derelict. You don't know how to do this. You don't know how to run your own life. Okay? And being reminded of that and seeing when I am reminding my, when I'm running my own life, you want to know what I end up doing? Hurt other people. All right. And, and so that, that's one of those things is there is this way. Right. And then. So anyway, we look at Matthew chapter seven as well. He's right out there. Jesus was really clear in teaching it. But here was the thing that got me. He modeled it. We follow a king who is modeling what he's asking us to do. So here's what blew my mind. He, and it continues to blow my mind is that Jesus, as king, as ruler of his kingdom, he didn't say, okay, Keith, here's what I want you to do. Deny yourself. Get it on straight, man. Right? I'm already sick and tired of you. Like, get her done. Stop whining. Is I learned that this king 
has already modeled what he's asking of me. And, and what's fascinating to me is why would I think following him wouldn't require my submission to God if it did for him? I think sometimes, again, we feel like following Jesus is going to be this thing where it's just, I get everything, everything's always simple, I kind of do what I want, and Jesus blesses me, and we kind of live in this world where, hey, let's just not judge each other. Like, that's so old, right, where we just live in this realm of discipleship where we're just like, hey, don't say anything, don't judge me, and, and, and all of these things. We're so on the surface, instead of coming on down here, and then we see, hold on a minute, we're following a king who submitted to the will of God. And he was God. In Matthew 26, in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, man, I don't know. Let me yield God to you. If there's another way, Jesus was praying. If there's another way, please let it happen. But if there's not another way, I yield to you. These are, I'll, I'll tell you, these were powerful things and they are powerful things. Because they remind me how much I need to be keeping my eyes fixed. If there's any hope of submission to Jesus, of keeping my eyes fixed on who is this king? Who is this king? In 1 Peter chapter 2, it said that he not only humbled himself and he obeyed and he yielded to the Roman authorities to die. But it also says that he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. All right, that, that really, that's yielding on a different level is I'm being, injustice is occurring to me. But I will follow my Lord and I entrust that he'll take care of these things. I'll entrust him. Okay. So again, this is a really, without this concept, it's going to be very hard for us to mature. We're going to hit a ceiling we're going to hit a ceiling that really becomes kind of like deadly. It's going to become where Christianity becomes just a thing that we do and we try to do good things without there being life. We lose our life, okay? But here's the interesting thing. I'm, I'm going, okay, so Jesus, he was pretty liberal in teaching about this idea that we have a hard time, I think, talking about to one another. He was pretty liberal about it. Um, and he modeled it. He wasn't like hiding anything. He's like, hey, if you follow me, listen, think, it, it's not always going to be great. Sometimes it's going to be tragic. Sometimes it's going to be absolutely like gut-wrenching, right? But then as you read, you want to know what? People who were following him were doing the same thing. And why I bring these like three little stages up is because today this word is shunned almost completely from our lexicon. This idea of submission. And I'm going, but how is that? How? Because it was so vital to them. It was so much a part of who they were, who Jesus is. It was so much a part of discipleship. Where did it go to a place where it's like, hey, this is like the dirty secret of the church. Don't ever tell anybody, man, if you're going to come and be a part of the Clemson Foothills Church, you talk about submission. Like, we should be ashamed of that. And I'm saying, here's where I think we've got it wrong. I think this is where Christianity has lost its life. Because these very principles that Jesus teaches that are meant to give us life... We go, no, 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 we're going to stay the boss of us. 
We're going to stay the boss. We're gonna, I don't need help with my marriage. But there is a kingdom way of marriage. I don't need help with my parenting, but there is a kingdom way. Here might be the most tragic thing. If we want to pass something on to our kids, all right, if you want to pass something really bad onto our children, never call them to submit to your authority as a parent. If you really want to mess up your child, listen, don't ever call them into submission to your authority as a parent. Believe me, okay? What we end up teaching our kids is, I'm not submitting to my parents. Why would I submit to anyone else? I don't respect my parents. Why would I respect anyone else? And, and you're, you may be going, no, no, no. It's not like that. It's absolutely like that. All right? There isn't anything wrong. Part of training children is, is making sure that, no, listen, you, there will be submission to mom and dad. That is so vital. My children have to, have to hear no. They have to hear it. They can't be in charge of our household. And, and again, but we've created this idea that, man, that's horrible. You're going to crush them if you do it. And I'm going, hold on, hold up a minute. If that's going to crush my children, what does that mean when Jesus tells me to do it? Like, is he, is he trying to do that too? Right? So there's a kingdom way to these things. And we have to remember, like, man, what is this kingdom way? Because when the people followed him, it seemed like they were going, man, they... They submitted to his rule and his reign and his authority in his word. Okay? And then when I was going, hold on a minute, you're calling me to this? Like, th- this is crazy. Jesus is teaching it. He's modeling it. Everyone that I see following him as I read the word of God is su- in, in submission to the king. And the ones that aren't don't have anything going on that I want to be a part of. Like, they become what we're, we go, man, don't do that. Don't make that mistake. Okay, but so ultimately, here's the thing. What I'm describing here might be the worst marketing technique in the world. It absolutely is. There's not, believe me, on on campus, there is not a club on campus that would say, listen, if you want to come and join this club, deny yourself. Listen, you have to take up your cross. Okay. You're going to have to conform. Listen, you want to know what that club would be? A club of one. Maybe. And the person that started would be like, well, why am I doing this? Okay? Our marketing technique, even in the Christian world, is, hey, you don't have to deny anything. Just come and be a part. And going, who gave me that authority to say that? Like, again, I keep, for me, I keep going back to, why is it? Why do I think it's okay for me to hang on to an idea that Jesus himself didn't hang on to? Like, no, let's just, come on, man, don't judge anybody. You're just all Christians. Just come together. We don't have to deny ourselves. Who said I could say that? Who said? No, Jesus didn't. Jesus taught something else. So one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And see, that's what happens when Keith becomes the boss again. Is, is this right here. So turn over to John chapter 3. Uh, we're we're going to go back over this, this section right here. Um, if you're a fan of the, the Chosen, we're talking about Creepy John. Okay? If you haven't watched The Chosen, there's a little teaser for you. I felt weird when they first said that, to be honest with you. I was like, can you say that about John the Baptist? He's making, Peter was making fun of him. 
But here's what I loved, okay, is when I began studying about John the Baptist, I was like, this guy has it on straight. He figured it out. He's got it. This was so helpful for me. And I, I still, I keep going back to John the Baptist because I'm like, this guy, somehow, some way, he understood this idea. And here's where we can learn some things from him, okay? John 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water. People were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and, and everyone's going to him. All right, that's humiliating, isn't it? Trying to build a ministry. Hey, man. Hey, John, look at what's going on. Is Jesus that guy over there? He's baptizing people and they're leaving you and going to him. OK, that's always kind of a shot to your pride. At this point, that would be unheard of because everybody, I think, Royce, you brought, everybody's like building their own empire. And that really hadn't stopped. OK. And uh, in verse 27 to this, John replied, and this is where let's turn our ears on here. A man can receive only what's given him from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. Okay. Here's what's great about the book of John. The book of John has seven statements called I am statements that Jesus makes. I am. Okay. This may be one of the most important statements. The I am not statement. This is vitally important to submission. John's like, hey, guys, you want to know what? He, he, they're going over there. You got to understand. I told you, I'm not him. I know who I am. I'm not him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It's now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. That is, what an anthem right there for life. He must become greater. I have to, as I'm following Jesus, my goal, okay, as a disciple, as a minister, as an evangelist, is not to become somebody that is a famous author, a famous podcaster, a famous whatever. That, that can't be at all. In fact, the greatest thing we can do as disciples, we fade so far back so people just see Jesus. Okay? It's not, we're not taking credit for things. We talk about that. It should be unexplainable things happening in the church so people aren't going, man, but that church, they're just full of such talented people. Well, we don't want to have to explain how God is working because of our talent. We want to be able to explain that God's working because we don't have the talent. Right? The kingdom of God is not the same. We're going, no, the most talented, that's who wins. No, 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 no. Man, we're, we're, it, it makes God look better when he takes a bunch of people that shouldn't be able to do things, and then he shows what can be done. Okay? So just taking a look at this, this these verses 27 through 30, I love so much. Is it, it just the humility of John, this idea of he has somebody coming to him and going, but John, what... What are you doing wrong? Because that guy over there, he's getting more people than you. You must be doing something wrong. Like you're losing people. People you thought you loved, they're lo you're losing them. 
And here's what I continue to learn and relearn and relearn, and I see it in the life of John the Baptist in even other sections. Submission and yielding to Jesus allows me to be at peace. When I don't have to have my way. I'm not at peace oftentimes when I'm trying to gain control. When I'm trying to do things my way. When I'm trying to get people to do things I want them to do. Alright? So when I yield to Jesus and the kingdom way. And I study out what does that look like in my life. And what does that look like in my life today. And what does that look like in my relationships. Because Jesus is very clear. He's very clear about how we live in his kingdom. How we share our faith in his kingdom. How we spur one another on in his kingdom. And it's everything. He, he teaches us. He's like, in his kingdom, there's, there's encouragement, and there's correction, and there's teaching, and there's rebuking, and there's all of these things. Right? He teaches those things. And we're allowed to be at peace when we yield to him and go, you know what, your way is the best way. It's the way. For us to love one another, to spur one another on, submission to Jesus allows me to be at peace. Submission to Jesus allows me not to have to get my way. That's just going to lay on your plate in front of you. You're going to have to go home and think about that because there's a really good chance, and again, I, don't, I project myself onto you guys sometimes, but there's a really good chance that you look at that and you might think, no, I'm not like that at all, and you may be the worst offender. That's just, this isn't one of those things where I just like throw the dart out there and if it hits something, it hits something. This is where I'm just really going to encourage you. Is this kind of your MO? Right? It's got to be my way. It's got to be the way I want it done. It's got to be the... Yeah. I'm just going to leave that on your plate. Submission to Jesus allows me to let go of the need to compete against others. See, isn't that interesting what we see with John? John's like, I, I'm not competing with Jesus. I'm not competing to be better than somebody else. I'm not competing. I've, I know what I'm doing. Right? As a disciple in the kingdom of God, it's very clear. I know what he's called me to do. And he's called me to love people. And to share his gospel. And he's called me to serve. And he's, it's very clear, okay? So that whatever riffraff goes on anywhere else, this is a tough one. Because probably all of us in some way, shape, or form are in a competition of some sort with others. Like, who's better than me? Who? No, 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 no. Who thinks they're better than me? Because if you think you're better than me, you, you ever had that thought in your head? You think you're better than me? I have said some dumb things after that statement, let me tell you. Embarrassing things. But submission to Jesus, yielding to His way. Allows me to let go of the need to compete against others. We see that with John right here. Submission to Jesus allows me to let go of the need to be admired by others. Anybody else have like a thing about that? Like, isn't it great to be admired by others? Isn't it great? Man, you're awesome. That's great, man. I wish I could do as good as you. Man, look who that, man, look at those people. They're popular people. I wish I could hang out like they, man, they, they're a popular crowd. Is There can be this thing, and again, all of these things that I'm sharing are things that steal our life. 
this competition to be better, this competition to be admired, this competition. Here's what's happening is we're trying to gain the world ourselves. That's why this principle of submission is so important. Wow, that's really small. Is it bigger up here? Good. Everybody's like, is she reading? Yes, this is, I love it. So a few things I want to leave you with here, okay? The first one is this. Do I love the gospel of the kingdom? This is, this is vital. And it's, there, there's a reason. If, if you go, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Your first most important thing to do is to find somebody afterwards and say, we need to sit down and talk about this. What is the gospel of the kingdom? All right, we, we did a whole series on this before, but, but you know, our world and, and what we're comfortable with when it comes to the gospel has been so watered down, so manipulated, so torn to shreds, it's barely even noticeable anymore because we've taken and we say, here's what the gospel is, is Jesus was living on earth and he died and he rose again for, our, for the forgiveness of our sins or to save us or something like that. And I'm like, you boiled down everything to that? Like, okay, that's a nice part of it, right? But that's just a bunch of information. Like, that, that's what I don't understand in, like, Christian culture today is we've boiled it down to just some information and go, oh, you're saved by this. I'm like, well, how? How are you saved by a statement? The gospel of the kingdom isn't a statement, it's a lifestyle. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 1. He's like, man, he came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, Okay. And it's true, the king did come, and the king did live, and the king did die, and the king was raised to be the, the uh, stand-in for us in the judgment of God. All of that is true, but the king came. That means he's the king in a kingdom, and how the gospel works is why it's good news is because we get to be in his kingdom. That's the good news. Well, isn't it good news to be saved? No, no, you don't understand. When you're in his kingdom, you'll be with him for eternity. The end goal isn't salvation. It's how can I be in the kingdom of God for eternity? Because it's the greatest place to be. It's where life is. It's where peace is. It's where joy is. But oftentimes we can't practice submission because we don't know what the gospel of the kingdom is. We, we're not aware that there are expectations of the gospel of the kingdom. We don't, we're not aware of those things. So when we hear something like Jesus go, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. He's talking about the expectations to enter the kingdom. <laughs> right? When, when Peter says, hey, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, you then will be prepared to enter the kingdom. Now you can enter the kingdom because you have no sin and you have the Holy Spirit. Do you love, not just know, but love the gospel of the kingdom. That it's not just information. The gospel of the kingdom is we are with him in his kingdom, under his rule. I love that. Do I order my life around the kingdom of God? Or is, or is my pursuit of Jesus... Or is my discipleship in Jesus just like an activity I try to put into my busy schedule each week? Okay. Living in the kingdom of God isn't like having three or four meetings. 
and go, man, this is really great. Kingdom of God, I'm exhausted. I'm really bearing my cross today, you know? And no, 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 no. Okay? But it's this idea, do I order my life where everything begins, everything starts with the kingdom of God? Okay? And then it's like, okay, now, now what about my job? Now what about my classes? Now what about... Because here in the kingdom of God, what's exciting is, is it's not about just being a student if you're in Clemson. But it's the idea of, you want to know what? You have lost professors in your classes. You have lost friends in your classes. I mean, the college time is one of the most beautiful times because God is like, I'm just going to send my missionaries into these pockets where you have to meet for 16 weeks, three times a week with these people that you never would any other time. Like, that is awesome missionary work right there. But it doesn't happen if I haven't ordered my entire life around the kingdom of God. Yeah. And go, yeah, okay, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to get a degree. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to waste my money. But, man, everything about why I'm here is the kingdom way of interacting with people and friends and enemies and professors and all those things. And then, um, question, what, what have I yielded from? Has there been a time, that's, that's worded really weird. What have I yielded from what I want to want, want? There's a lot of wants. A lot of W. Overdid the, overdid the W's on that one right there. You get what I'm talking about, right? Did I? Okay, I can't even see it from that far, okay? So, great. <laughs> when have I yielded from what I want to want? What Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. As I was saying, that was right, okay? It was perfect. Question, though, okay? And, and again, these things don't go away. Like my learning, what I learn about this is continual. It's this, these things keep coming up over and over and over again because you want to know what? I keep wanting to be the boss of me. I keep wanting to be the boss of the kingdom. I keep wanting to be the boss. I keep wanting to be admired. I keep wanting these things and continually going back. And like I said, it, it, it's fascinating when I see Jesus and his, the way he taught and the way he lived and the people around him, and particularly John the Baptist here. And I'm going, man, I wish I had a heart exactly like John the Baptist because this guy knows he's going to die. And he's just like, hey, man, you want to know what? This is I'm at peace. I'm, I'm doing exactly what God called me to do. I'm not admired. You want to call me Creepy John? That's okay. I'm Creepy John. I'll be in jail. You can cut my head off. But you get this sense that he's just like, I'm at peace. I'm not competing. Why? Because he's just in submission to God's way. He's in submission to his calling. But the question is, when was the last time that you did yield to something that you wanted to do? Because you found out that Jesus' way was different. Right? I mean, we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about, we do talk about money. We do talk about sexuality. We do talk about, um, you know, th just real things. You know, when, when was that time where you're like, I'm not yielding to God in my money. I'm not going to, I'm not taking care of the poor. I'm not going to seek out the orphan and the widow. I'm not going to do those things. No, 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 no. I'm saving my money for my own thing. I'm the boss of me. Right? No, I'm, no, I'm going to be in a dating relationship and I'm going to, I'm the boss of me. Don't judge me if I'm sexually immoral or I'm into pornography or something like that. Go, no, no, no. you got to understand something. That's not the kingdom way. That's not submitting to Jesus going, Jesus, how would you have me date someone? Okay? It's, I know everything I read about how we treat people is I knew as a single guy 
my calling from Jesus was to protect the purity of my girlfriend. You're going, what a jerk. Who does he think he is? You know? Listen, I'm totally at peace with it. I, I want the man who's going to date and marry my daughter to have that talk with me. I, I want them to talk to me and say, let me, Mr. Winship, here's the deal. I want you to know I'm very serious about this. All right? There, there's a way that I want to do things. There's a kingdom way. And I will yield to that. Because I will not be a stumbling block for your daughter. Can I tell you, man, I will follow that boy's feet. I will be weeping. I'll be like, listen, go, go kill the fatted cow. I don't even have a cow. Man, I'm going to Ben's yard, and I'm going to just give me a cow, man. We got to kill something. This is too good, okay? I mean, man, goodness gracious. But um, so anyway, there, there's more than just, so here's the deal. Submission isn't, we're not talking about an action right now. We're talking about like a, a this is a heart thing. It really is. And we've got to examine our heart. Am I that? Do we have that? Are we really like submissive and yielding to the king of the kingdom? Because without that, it's going to be very difficult for us to move on to maturity, to talk about deeper things. Because you know what? We do have to talk about our marriages. We do need to talk about submission in other relationships. We need to talk about those things, but, but we don't have to put the cart ahead of the horse. Because the good news, it is the good news of the kingdom. That's something that we need to really keep in mind. This is the thing that always kind of has helped me is I love that verse 30 right here. As I, as, as I read this, as I see John the Baptist, you know, again, I'm going to go ahead and read this where he says, I'm not the Christ. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. I love this part right here. He said, that joy is mine. Like I am overflowing with joy. And I didn't even put that up there, but here's the crazy thing is submission and yielding to Jesus brings joy. Isn't that crazy? This is a guy who will die for the cause. This is a guy who will be mistreated and thrown in jail unjustly. And he said, man, my, that's me. I'm that guy. I'm the buddy of the bridegroom who's just so happy that the bridegroom is like being made a big deal of. That's yielding to the will and the life of God right there. Is I, is we are so happy to see God be able to be magnified and glorified. Regardless of what happened, we just go fade on back. Okay. So I, I hope this is helpful. I hope you take this with you and kind of look through it. If you have more questions, if you just think, man, this is, this is your first time here. You're going, that guy's the biggest jerk in the world. We can talk about that. That's okay. Um, but really, this is such an important aspect for us to be able to be formed into the likeness of Christ. We can't leave this behind. And we're gonna, we'll talk about this more. This isn't just a one and done, but let's pray. And then we're going to go ahead and uh, close out with a couple songs. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.